Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group. I'm your host, Brian Jackson. If you're like me, you've been working from home lately, and most of your wardrobe has been sitting on coat hangers for months now. Maybe it's time to buy some new threads, something comfortable enough for the home office, but also stylish enough to make a statement on those video conference calls. Browsing through the online catalog at Urban Cool Lab, and you'll find some really unique looks. Urban Cool Lab's AI machine is collaborating with the next wave of tastemakers from across wind of creative fields, and including those in music, fashion, visual arts, technology, sports, food, and everything in between. You might end up picking a piece that is co-designed by a machine with people such as Chiesa, Smith & Wesson, Command Sisters, Chris Crack, Sandy Gill, or other artists. Here's a clip from a video on the website explaining how it works. First of all, you need a story, a message, a visual or a slogan that lets people know what you stand for. Remember, the whole design process is all about you. Next, you have to decide how you want to showcase your message. Stitch will walk you through the whole process and will learn from your choices before even starting your design. Using massive computational power, Stitch will design a bespoke capsule that is tailored by your taste. You can provide photos, graphics, and even waveforms. Then, you just need to click through a few questions about your design and aesthetic preferences. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what my guest today is wearing. Idris Muti is the CEO and co-founder of Urban Cool Lab. He's also the former CEO and co-founder of Idea Couture and the former Global Chief Strategist for Blast Radius. And he's the author of Design Thinking for Strategic Innovation. Welcome, Idris. Hi, Glad you could be here today. Also on the podcast today is my practice lead, David Glazer. Welcome, David. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you, Idris, for making some time for us today. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, we were on video a second ago, uh, so I could see what you were wearing, but our listeners can't see anything. So can we share uh, the threads that we've got on today, uh, Idris? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so where do you want me to start? Well, it's really up to you. What's the most interesting thing you're wearing right now? Um, I'm definitely wearing my Mona Lisa today. You know, yeah. that's the is that the Mona Lisa that uh, the Mona Lisa that's the Mona Lisa's with uh, with the uh, space outfit. Yeah. Oh, that one really caught my eye. Um, might have to order it. Dave, what you got on? Uh, today, I actually have a uh, a shirt that I've made um, as well. Um, it's a uh... It's a little side project I got going on um, where we upcycle uh, vintage uh, shirts and, and the, uh, it's called the Circular Economy Tee. So it's got this uh, little visual um, on it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, and a flannel right. shirt. <laughs> and, and when people buy it, the money goes towards a good cause, right, Dave? That's correct, towards water management technology. Oh, I love it. Great stuff. I'm wearing a NASA T-shirt. So Urban Cool Lab is described as an AI streetwear design platform. Can you tell us, Idris, about the idea behind this company? Um, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the, the story of that. So we've been, you know, I've been doing research on AI projects for the last kind of seven, eight years in my last company. 
and and we did some very exciting stuff you know using that to application in in medical in logistic and financial services all of those things but most of them are really kind of optimizing uh make it easier faster and all of those and it's in some way a little bit boring so i you know i took the month off and you know went to tibet and say like okay what's what's the next big idea now this company's like it's sold i need to start something else and then I start looking at these people and say, like, what is really most, what is most considered most human? And then, you know, when you're when you're looking at these monks and every day and all these studies all about like compassion and all the other stuff like that, you realize there's only two things that machines cannot do. One is compassion. One is creativity. Uh, compassion, not so easy. Creativity. I think we can do that. So I came back and I talked to my co-founder and then like, you know, and he brought up a, vi a, a video. Which which is kind of interesting is about Virgil. He was speaking at um, Harvard GSD and then he talks about like it is in the world of design. You know, he's now the most kind of popular streetwear designers now looking, working for Louis Vuitton. And, and he said like, you know, in any design, there's only a 3% that makes a big difference. Um, so that's kind of like the idea because if you look at the world, probably 50, 60% of designs are generally, you know, a copy of others. Mm -hmm. And then there may be about 45, 46 of like this percentage of that designs are um, adaptation with some market context. And then maybe there's only 1% of design is truly original. And mostly those of the, those 1% never worked. So essentially, really a few percent design difference can make the difference. And then that's a starting point. And that means that machine can do that. And then that brings us to like, can we start a company with, um, you know, human story, kind of compassion and, and empathy, machine design, um, and 100% kind of sustainable. So that's kind of like the starting point of that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, Idris, the way you're talking about uh, the design there and that 3% making the big difference and, and making something uh, break through the crowd, right, rise above the other designs, get get a hold of people's attention in, in today's information overload world, makes me feel like you figured it out a little bit more. What's that 3%? What Where does it really matter? I think what really matters is if you look at um, the world of design, um, it seems like everyone trying hard to be to do something new, but there's no reward of doing something new. Uh, there's some reward in doing something better, but the reward is not big enough. So between something new and something better, you're going to find that kind of 3%. Hmm. Dave, what do you think about that? When you were designing your T-shirt, um, did you ha have like this thought of, I, I've got to try and get into this mode where I can break through the other designs that are out there because anybody can put something on a T-shirt? It's it's really interesting. Um, uh, some of the stuff that Idris is is talking about here. Um, I, I suppose when when I uh, when I you know made this this shirt, I was I was thinking about you know what value I can add and 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 yeah, what what is different. Um, uh, but uh, to, to to maybe corroborate what he's saying, not really thinking so much about what the uh, with the, with the with the benefit for me was is going to be, because assuming that it's not going to be that high, um, but but it, this uh, this percentage uh, uh, conversation is 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 interesting, and I wonder if it's um, if it can be framed as a spectrum as well, 
Um, it, it makes me think about a, a quote that I, I think about a lot um, that, uh, that that comes from uh, Yohi Yamamoto, who's a designer of Y3. Uh, it's a very uh, sort of famous um, uh, forward, forward-thinking brand. And, and one of the things he says is, um, co- like find what you like as a designer, find what you like and copy it, um, and then keep doing that until uh, you can generate your own ideas. And 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 through though through this mechanism, you will um, or this approach, you will get good at making things that you like. Now, I wonder if people never reach that that pinnacle, and so they they get stuck in maybe you know uh, the, the the interim making things that are similar to other things that they've liked monetizing and then never going for that truly differentiated thing. So th- that's kind of where my mind goes uh, when, when I when I think about uh, what, what, what Idris is, is saying. Um, but but yeah, for, for me, Brian, it, it was about make, making something that uh, that that uh, was kind of was different, was 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 different than, than what I was seeing. Yeah, um, you're making me realize how hard it is for people to be truly creative and break through and do something original because it's actually uh, challenging to know that you are not just copying something that you've seen before and is is lingering there in your subconscious. And it makes me wonder if it's so hard for people, it must be hard for AI to do it as well. And Idris, I wonder why you think that AI can play that important role in clothing design. Okay, uh, I think that that's a good question. Um, you know, you, I think most of the problems that we have with with design and innovation and engineering is, I think people are trying too hard. Um, people are trying too hard to be kind of like the most distinctive, and mm-hmm. people are trying too hard. People to to put too much value on on the idea of being original. You know, there's there's no real value of being original other than you know the you know, maybe your peers will celebrate them, but it's in in the world of of innovation it's not about being original um i would say some of the most successful product companies and what they do is barely original uh, there's 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 you know, plenty of examples about that so when the ai looked at that and say well you know let's look at design variations so we look at sort of you know uh, fashion design um, in general, and even other kind of design discipline, there's only so many types of typology. Um, there is so many, um, so many places or technical stuff you can do with a certain surfaces. You know, there's not a lot of like real functionality. So it's not like you're designing a rocket or a car. So that makes it easier. Uh, we try not to tackle simple tasks like designing graphic posters and stuff like that, and which is too easy. So we try to find something that's kind of in between the two. And now the AI advantage is a is um, AI do not carry a dominant design. Most designer, when they train themselves, they carry a dominant design either from the school or from the master mentor they learn from, or personal interests or preferences. They always carry that, and that kind of becomes the design style or preference, and sometimes it becomes a signature. But it's also a burden or baggage that one carries. That means you can't be so flexible. And the second, a second problem with human design is um, there are two types. One type is there are overly um, market reliance. They just want to give the market what they want. So if they want this thing, if you're red, you give them red. And then there are the other ones on the other end of the spectrum. It's like they just want to do something that they like and they don't care if people don't buy. 
machine don't have that problems. Machine don't have that problem of making sure that machine doesn't have ego. And B is machine can do research 24 hours a day, scanning through hundreds of thousands of Instagram pictures to understand what's going on. So the market research are not biased, are very kind of data-driven and market-driven. So, so if you add up all of those things, then you think about, well, you know what? AI maybe can do a job. Obviously, there's still many other problems that we haven't solved. I think we have solved half of the list of the problems that we want to solve. There's still another half of the list. I mean, we only spend two and a half years on, on terms of development. So I guess in the next two and a half years, we still have a lot to do in terms of solving the problems that we haven't solved. And I want to know more about how the platform really works because I played that clip at the beginning of the podcast. It, it explains how the artists get started working with your platform, informing the design with whatever works they, they have. They can upload images. They can share uh, lyrics from a song, for example. Can you tell us what happens next? What, I'm curious how your designers work with the AI to turn the vision of the talent into commercially viable designs. Okay, so uh, th the first thing is uh, we have no designers to work with the AI. So the AI is the designer. Um, you have no human designers. Yeah, we have human designers, but they don't work with the AI. Okay. They kind of work on the very final stage. And when we're making sure that, look, it, 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 so that we don't need to move this to have an inch here and there, the small things, but they don't design. They don't work. The, the AI does the work. Right. So it's it's a full AI design. So, and the, the process is kind of replicate the design process in the real world. So what does that work in the real world is like, um, whether it's fashion design or interior designs or architecture, it's kind of like the same. So people usually start with some kind of inspiration. So you you scan a lot of um, ideas and reference book and whatever you know, color forecast, you know, whatever material that you have access to, you go to shows, you take pictures of, of, of unique things when you travel, and that's kind of your inspiration. Um, we kind of replicate that. So um, we ask um, our customers to upload a few of the inspiration. Um, so we want to make sure that that we get the input so we don't design um, for them, we design with them. Um, so we get them to input some, and this, these are just inspiration. So we have a mm -hmm. sense of like the stylistic. We also ask them to, um, to upload if they have a theme. Um, some, some people have a strong story, you know, save the world, save the whale, save the climate. Um, and, and some people just like, it, it's a visual kind of thing. Um, so usually one or the other. So we want to make sure that people kind of pick certain, there's some boxes in there, you pick the typology. Um, we analyze 3,000 designs and then we kind of put them into certain nine typologies. Or you can just let AI does it for you. Um, and then we also let them to upload certain assets, like if they have a certain asset, you know, whether they have like a, you know, a skeleton, an eagle, whatever that is that represent them, that stands for them, a piece of art, a picture, whatever that is. Um, and if they want to upload a small piece of the music that kind of represent them, then we kind of turn that into kind of pattern. Um, and then with that, it's kind of like the real world, we have a good starting point. Um, the next thing what we do is that the AI will start looking at, um, playing with creating like what is the fitness landscape. So that's a that's a kind of 
an interesting one because in 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 every AI in the world, it's about optimization. So there is an, a best outcome, and and you try a million combination to get the best outcome. But in design, it's difficult. There's no best outcome because it's not quantitatively driven. So so with that, we will look at the research in terms of market and everything, and what's considered the most popular. Uh, by scanning hundreds of thousands of like the latest collection from the Gucci's and the Off-White and all, all of those. Um, and then we kind of form that kind of fitness landscape, which we consider are like the, the, the best performance. And then we start a cycle of manipulation of visuals, recombination of visuals until we get enough of them. Uh, at that point, there is one individual person who will look at them and say, look, um, it's just a quick check whether we are using, you know, IPs of others and whether there's a logo of other company trademark and making sure there isn't the case. And then we let the machine do a few more cycles. So they usually go through between, you know, sometimes 50, sometimes 200 cycles evolution. And they get to kind of climbing that fitness landscape. And then we have some initial design. Um, we usually take a look at them and say like, okay, great. So that's the kind of the only human input point and say like, we think that we're heading the wrong direction or heading the right direction. And then we'll give the, 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 some input to the machine and let the machine continue on. And then uh, we're running a serverless company. So, so everything is done through like the Amazon cloud. Um, so a few hours later on, we get the design. So that's kind of how, how overall how it works. You know, obviously, uh, if you speak technically, it's, it's a lot more uh, complicated because you are looking at many other uh, technology involved there. You have, you know, you have the, um, we have like the, um, we have a, a asset base of created asset. We have kind of reference data sets. And then we look at style classification. We look at some of the word vectorization and there's some sentiment analysis of what people write about them. Um, and then, then we use genetic programming and computer visioning to understand some of the visuals because a lot of visuals have no meaning. Um, and so we use Google Vision to understand that. So the, the the stack is very complicated. That's a very detailed explanation. I appreciate that. Dave, I'll just put you on the spot. And I'm wondering um, if you were to start using this platform, what three points of inspiration you would give it about yourself to make a design for you? Oh, wow. Wow, what a question! <laughs> yeah, um, I just hear you uh, with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, and first of all, I love the, uh, I love the level of uh, level of detail um, and uh, the thoughtfulness that's gone into the, the process that uh, that Idris just uh, just mentioned. Um, you know, I, I just I, I'd wanted to comment on this this paradigm or notion that he's kind of breaking in my in my brain right now that where 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 you you just associate you associate robots with rigidity and human beings with flexibility but um kind of flipping that paradigm and 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 demonstrating that the opposite can be true now um um from for myself um I would I I I I like the idea of choosing a song you know, providing an image and providing a uh, text um, mm. What exactly those elements would be, um, I, I would I would want to probably think about that a bit more because I'd be worried about producing something that um, was uh, maybe too similar to something that I had seen before 
um, mm-hmm. because of my own biases and the selection of the images. And so, um, but at the same time, I'd have to balance that with producing something that I liked, um, right? So uh, it, that, that, that would be my process, you know, finding a balance between those, those uh, dimensions because, um, uh, 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 you know, you, you, you'd want, you'd want to, you'd, you'd want to supply the, the algorithm with, with, with stuff that you actually liked and really resonated with you. So maybe, you know, a picture of my, um, or the, the, the clothing item that I would, would wish someone would buy for me, you know, as a Christmas present. Um, the, uh, you know, the song that, you know, best either captures the moment or, um, uh, that, that I'm in or, uh, or, or that, 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 that elicits a certain positive, uh, feeling. And then maybe some text about, uh, you know, a change that I'd want to see in the world. Um, uh, maybe an inspiring quote from someone or, or maybe my own thoughts, um, yeah, that that's kind of how I'd go about yeah. it. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, that sounds like a shirt I would buy. Good job. Um, so, Idris, what are the some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome in launching this program, uh, this platform? Um, I know every startup has its challenges, but this is sort of a different idea. You're using machine learning, as Dave pointed out, in a way that most people don't really think that machine learning is going to provide a lot, a lot of helpful uh, creativity, but you've you've just uh, sort of found a way to make that work. But I wonder if, as you were going down that journey, if there was a time when you you thought you would have to pivot or that the idea wasn't going to work. Um, we, I mean, fortunately, we we haven't um, encountered the point where we need to pivot because so far, you know, we we're getting really great response from all our investors and 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 our kind of the, the kind of industry leaders and ceos of the world in that industry um but but it, it doesn't mean we solve all the problem i mean it's i mean the the, the questions i think what david's mentioned is interesting you know people always associate that um, people are usually more flexible and machines are pretty rigid, but I think that in the real world, I, I does not don't quote me on the statistic. <laughs> I think people are more rigid. The more people work in a large company, the longer they work, people are more rigid. Mm-hmm. And and I think machines being more flexible is a completely new thing because machines operate based on certain business rules. And when you want to create machines that create mistakes, engineer mistakes, and then know to differentiate good mistake and bad mistakes, it's, it's very difficult. So is the, the teams are a very unique team of people. You know, our our scientists are. I mean, they 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 are they are the AI scientists. You know, they're, they're some of them Italians and, and, and British and and, and 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 Russians are. They all kind of enjoy working on this problem. So it's like it's almost like an R and D team on that. Um, so it's it's not so simple about just sort of like the AI design because you you're looking at the machine that. Um, how does a machine understand and help with inspiration? How does a machine kind of create um, um, theme uh, of, of kind of thematics? Um, how does a machine kind of create kind of asset creation and recombination? Um, and then, and how do you use style transfer from existing style and into a different style with different objects? Um, so, so these are all kind of all individual problems. So there are altogether 165 problems we need to solve. Um, but we figure out we solve, you know, 30, 20 of them. It's good enough for 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 what we need now. 
Um, but you know, in in the next couple of years, we probably need to solve another three, four, five. Um, and then I think we're in pretty good shape. We don't need to solve all the all of those. Um, but at some point, you know, we'll we'll come to that. Yeah, what I find interesting about your analysis of your challenges there is that you've quantified them. You know exactly how many problems you have. And I wonder if that's uh, part of working with AI um, is it's important to quantify and know exactly what problems you're you're trying to solve. Is is that the case? Um uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's almost like I find that's a common industry problem. People find a tool and use it, and without knowing what problem you try to solve, I, I don't think it's sort of it's an AI thing. It's just in general, people don't have the discipline to make sure that, like, you know, to understand what problem you try to solve, how you want to solve it, is it a benefit solving it, and and before they, and then is it solvable within a reasonable time frame. And and you, you look at that and kind of prioritize what problem we try to solve. I mean, the, the startup solving problem probably doesn't worth solving. Some problems will go away themselves. Some problems will never be able to solve. Uh, some problems are can solve, but it's not worth solving because no one gives you any money to solving that problem because you don't create any value. And then some problems are worth solving within certain number of time, uh, like within certain kind of resources and, and time, you know, consideration, and and you are creating enough value um, so that the market will reward you. So we, you need to understand like what problem you try to solve, but it's not about just AI. I think anything that we do. That's fair. Now, you spent three months developing the platform before launching it just this past summer. No, it was two uh, years, two and a half years, yeah. You were you developed the platform for two and a half years. Yeah, we with with 2018 we started with a bunch of scientists, and only the last kind of nine months we add full operational team. So we add another kind of 15 people, but before that it was just the AI team. So it's 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 two and a half years. Yeah. Okay, good to know that. And now you're working with several different designers, and you have a growing catalog of clothing. So. Uh, what have you learned over the past few years in developing and launching this platform? Um, there, there's still a lot of things machine cannot do, um, the, and the but in in the world of of you know dis fashion design, those those are not the problems that you need to solve. Um, so we again go back to the questions. Uh, we try to focus on what is critical. Um, and, and then there are many people um, with different kind of different design minds and they have different practices. So we might adapt our, um, our approach a little bit to cater for different types of design minds and different types of design sophistication. So that's something that we probably need to work on. And the ultimate game is for us is the um, and we, we're starting with streetwear just because, you know, streetwear is cool. Streetwear is kind of exploding. It just, you know, is a $200 billion business addressable market. So we start with that, um, but we're not ending with that. So we're going to move quickly to um, leather goods. And then we move to that after in our roadmap is we move to sneakers. But sneakers we have to look at. We're looking at sort of robotic engines and small robotic arms to make kind of custom sneakers. So. So that's kind of where the, the the roadmap is. So there's still a lot to learn when we start looking at 
um, you know, the aesthetic of, of like sneakers. Um, so I think that we pretty much accomplished what we need to do in terms of streetwear. Uh, we, at least I think we're 80 percent. Um, so the question now is to to move into something that maybe is kind of a bit more functional uh, and, and you have other um, ergonomics and other consideration into it. So that will be another kind of a, um, a kind of a, a learning curve. Yeah. Can you point to some successes that you hold dear, uh, some breakthroughs for your business or for what you've been able to accomplish in design? You mean in this company? Yes. Uh, well, we have worked with probably about 30 um, kind of celebrity artists, and we're very happy that every one of them love what they do. And it's the, the most important thing is that the, it, the design actually translate what they have in mind and actually even better. And some of the people have said that actually, you know, when some people have a design background looking, I never can imagine how a, a traditionally trained or formally trained designer would do this because the aesthetics are very different. If you look at it, I mean, streetwear has their own language and the language are a little bit different from, you know, traditional fashion. Just like, so if you ask someone who trained in traditional design, and ask them to do streetwear, you always have that challenge. You can't break through. And that's why you see some of the coolest design come from rappers and and and, and hip-hop artists, just because like mm -hmm. they don't have any design background or, or skateboarders or whatever. And they just want to do it. It's a it's a cultural thing, it's not a design aesthetic thing. And so so that means that when you when you hire a designer to do streetwear, it's like you're hiring a classical music. Uh, person to to play hip hop like it doesn't work or, or rap it doesn't work so and in this case I think AI can actually do a way better job and so far everybody who's seen the outcome has agreed we have launched our own kind of the first AI collection uh, brand called Fear of What and people love that because it's just like you know they it's as they can it's not that they have to be technical but they kind of sense that this is kind of the idea that is just generated by a machine and, and the machine has certain qualities of human, not all, but certain qualities of human. I think that's kind of fascinating. You know? That is fascinating. And just before we wrap up here, uh, I want to throw one more question at you because of your uh, interesting experience working with AI through the lens of this company. I just wonder if you were to say like the number one way that you see AI making a difference for other organizations over the next five years, say, what would you say it is? Well, it, um, it is a kind of like a, a sort of like a tall question. It, it depends on you know, even before I started this company, we've been advising companies on AI in, for, for five years. And most companies, I would say, you know, don't understand AI. And and even the technology salvi people don't. Um, so they have a misconception of, of what AI can do. So I, I would think people should look at sort of AI in, in sort of three different pockets. Is AI going to be the core? So if AI is going to be the core of your organization, that means that you are actually reinventing a new types of organization that might disrupt the, the world. So like if AI becomes your core. So if that's the case, you probably have to be a total reinvention um, or a startup. And, and then there's a second one is that AI is as an enablement. So basically, if you have the digital infrastructure right, 
you may have not the organization design right, but you're going to use AI in a strategic way that actually power up your organization capabilities and productivity. And that's more likely that people would do because uh, large organizations have legacy system structures and stuff like that, so they don't throw everything away. So, so AI enablement makes perfect sense. So the easiest example would be uh, people add that to security systems so that you can do facial recognition every time people walk in hotel, casinos, uh, and then you can do it, use it in fraud protection. You can use it for uh, medical, like scanning um, ultrasounds and all of those things. So that makes perfect sense. You know, looking at you know 500 X-rays per second, and then you can kind of compare each of them and tell you like the likelihood of this is that. Well, that makes perfect sense. And then the third bucket is uh, a tactical kind of um, um, kind of uh, deployment, which is basically people say, hey, you know, I add a chat box, an AI chat box, I add an AI product recommendation engine. These are very small improvement um, people use, but it doesn't doesn't move the needle, doesn't change anything. But people can still do it. It's still AI. So I think it depends on how you use AI on on each of those kind of like a different kind of buckets. Idris, thank you so much for joining me today on Tech Insights. Thank you for having me. I enjoy it very much. And David, thanks for joining us as well. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Idris. For our listeners, you can learn more about Idris's new business, uh, Urban Cool Lab, at urbancoolx.com. And uh, for Tech Insights, remember that you can subscribe on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Brian Jackson.